Today's message is aimed at my heart. I need this word. You can take it too. The past three, three and a half, four years have been very challenging and hard. Many of you have walked with us through these years. As you know, in the winter of 2011, we brought home our sweet little girl from Ethiopia. She was 10 months at the time. And when you have a young baby in your house, that can be challenging and a fun age. About nine months later, we welcomed our little boy into our home, who was about six months old at the time. On top of that, two transitions of bringing in basically two babies to our house, along with our other four kids, it, it creates a little bit of, okay, a lot of bit of chaos. At times, it has felt impossible just to pull off daily life. And my, my wife has been great in organizing and scheduling, and our two older children have done a great job in helping out. But I just want to be honest, that the daily grind of appointments, school activities, church involvement, combined with lack of sleep, lack of energy, work responsibilities... And then on top of that, the physical and the emotional and the spiritual care of all involved can be very debilitating. Now, what I've been finding myself doing is I found myself during these times of pressure crying out to God, which is good. That's what I, that's what I want to do. But I've also find myself daydreaming. Daydreaming for a way uh, of an of a easier life of solutions to make things calmer. I daydream things like, what would it be like if we had two nannies? I would just take one, but I daydream for two for some reason. Um, what would that look like? Or I, get, I, I really get impractical and think about, what if we had a vacation home like really far away? That was not, you ever dream about vacation homes? Like recently, I've been dreaming about going and living off the land. Uh, a vast amount of acres, and I told my close friends this past week in my family that it, just something in me just seems peaceful about owning animals. And specifically this week, I've shared with those really close to me that I, I just want to own a camel. I don't, just something this different about owning a camel that really, see, I'm daydreaming because I'm trying to escape, you know, escape into the camel land. And, and, but when I'm not trying to daydream and escape, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for more uh, practical solutions to fix people, fix people in my life through manipulation. Like, would you quit yelling, quit slamming doors, quit waking up the babies, quit. I'm yelling and I find myself trying to manipulate my kids to get them to do stuff, to calm down, to be cool. And, and I'm like, well, I'm, just, I'm just a mess. Because the reality is, is life. It's just hard. And during this season, it requires faith for me to keep going back to God, keep going to him for security and strength rather than daydreaming, rather than manipulating or looking for inadequate solutions to fix and calm down my life. What I've noticed, though, is that no matter what age or stage of life you're in, it, it, it all just seems stressful. And pressure packed. You can say, well, that sounds really stressful, but 
we're not here to compare your pressures with my pressures or mine with yours because different people handle different things differently. And chances are most of you feel kind of squished. There's like there's a lot of pressure on you right now. And perhaps you may find yourself uh, daydreaming or trying to come up with solutions to fix the pressure, to fix the, the stress that is on you. And maybe uh, those of you uh, that are just overwhelmed at work or overwhelmed at school right now, you have maybe said, you know, during this time of my life, I'm going to take a time out for my spiritual life because I'm so stressed out. I'm going to put that on hold. When January comes around, I'll make a New Year's resolution and I'll get back to it. So you put it on hold. Or, or maybe you're lonely. I mean, it's dark outside. Maybe we'll see the sun today. Maybe not. It's getting kind of that depressing season. You get lonely. And, 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 and instead of taking your loneliness to the Lord, you may consider going out with someone or being with someone you should not be with. And for those of you who feel the tension and the pressure at home, just like I do, instead of crying out to God, you may have checked out. Because when you feel this out-of-control world is spinning unstable, you really have a choice. Are you going to turn to the Lord in faith? Are you going to come up with some type of inadequate security plan? Inadequate plan to give you stability. It's a choice we're making every day. And what's going to be encouraging and a little bit discouraging this morning is that we're going to see a people faced with a similar dilemma. We're going to look at the Israelites once again in the situation where their country didn't look so bright. Their enemies seemed to be growing stronger and their leadership was growing weaker and they felt this pressure to come up with a solution. And rather than turn to the Lord for the solution, to their true king, they turned to an inadequate plan of searching for security in an earthly king. They were daydreaming. They were thinking that things would be much better if they just had their own king like all the rest of the nations. The question for them and the question for you, I want to press upon you this morning, is that when life gets hard and stressful and overwhelming, who's going to be in charge? Are you going to be in charge or is God going to be in charge? When it's painful... Who's going to be your ruler? Is God still going to rule over you or are you going to rule over you? And when life gets out of control, overwhelming, here's the most pressing question. Who will be your king? Who will be your king? God? You? Someone else? Who will be your king? Let's look at the story. It comes from 1 Samuel 8. You can follow along on the app, or you can look in your Bible, 1 Samuel 8, and we're going to start in verse 1. Look at the leadership crisis in the land. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Handing the spiritual leadership over 
to the next generations of an entire country is not like handing the family business over because there is a significant amount of a spiritual component involved. Samuel was a great spiritual leader and a judge over his, of Israel, but his sons, not so much. Because we're told here that Joel and Abijah were punks who turned aside after gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. They seem to be just as corrupt as Eli's sons. And it's very unfortunate because we just saw Samuel lead the nation uh, away from their idolatry last week. If They got rid of their, their Baals and their Ashtoreths, and they started following the Lord again. But it's very unfortunate that the, his two sons, for some reason, did not follow the Lord, and the country's in danger going off the rails. Very significant leadership crisis because as the leaders go, so goes the country. And once the leadership falters, those under their care suffer. So how will this crisis be fixed? Once again, Israel, crisis. Turn to the Lord or to an inadequate solution. Let's look at their solution, a foolish solution. Verse 4. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. These are the leaders. These are the elders of Israel. They see the security risk of Samuel's corrupt sons taking over, and they want nothing to do with it. They're sick and tired of cycling. They've already been through several cycles of judges being raised up to deliver Israel from their enemies, and they sense that another cycle is coming because the corrupt leaders after Samuel, his sons, are probably going to lead them down the wrong road. And so instead of crying out to the Lord, they come up with a plan for a king to rule them, notice it, like all the nations question. Is it necessarily wrong that Israel asks for a king? This is, this is very debatable on how you talk about this. Because it seems like from the Old Testament that God made certain provisions or had a, a certain protocol that the people could ask for a king if they had the right heart. And we're not going to go into it, but it's in, the, in Deuteronomy chapter 17. But rather than having a God-fearing king, they wanted a king like all the nations. They wanted more of a secular king. It crosses the line to become sinful because they want a king like all the nations. They want a more of a standing army, a centralized authority, and a powerful warrior king. They're demanding a strong military king to give them some security when things seem like they're going to crumble again. They want to be like all the other nations. Instead of crying out to God in the midst of the pressure, they go to a worldly solution that mimics the world. Rather than being distinct... They want to blend in. What they should have done, they should have gone to Samuel and said, What's the plan, Sam? But what they did, they went to Samuel and they said, Here's the plan, Sam. Now make it happen. I once knew a woman from my former church in California who had a very difficult marriage. She came to prayer meeting one night, and she was distraught beyond distraught because she was reaping the consequences of her foolish decision. 
this is what she thought would fix her marriage that left the Lord out of the picture. Here's what happened. Her, her husband was really apathetic. He wasn't into the marriage as, thought, as, as she thought he needed to be into the marriage. So she came up with a plan to get his attention. She made the decision to leave her husband and move out because she thought it would wake him up. She thought it would jolt him. She thought it would scare him. But what her actions ended up doing is creating a whole host of other problems that made the marriage worse. And she came to prayer meeting that night just wishing that she could take back her foolish plan and have her, mil- her marriage healed. Because what she wanted was a healed marriage. She wanted a healthy marriage. But rather than turning to the Lord and to the, his solutions, she turned to her own solution of manipulation and created a mess. I've been there, you've been there, we have situations where we feel insecure and the Lord doesn't seem like he's going to fix it, the Lord doesn't seem adequate, and we go in search of another plan. We're looking for guaranteed security. We're looking for another king. And our foolish plans may just be a rejection of God as king. Look at the rejection of God as king. Look at verse 6. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, So they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king, how she reign over them. The pushback of the people was not a rejection of Samuel, but it's a rejection of God as king. Did you see it in verse 7? For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Do you get this? This is the way it was set up. God would be king. They would not be like the other nations. And this is what would happen. If they found themselves in a bind, in trouble, they would cry out to God. God would send them a judge. The judge would deliver them from their enemies, and they would continue on to serve under God as king. This is the period of the judges. This is the way it was set up. God would continue to be their king. They were dependent upon him and him alone who ruled them as a loving king. But ever since Egypt, the people have consistently hardened their hearts against God. Now, apparently, they want to be like all the other nations, and they want this security system. They look at the other nations, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I want that. I want what they have. So they are throwing off God's rule. They were throwing off God's security and desiring worldly authority and worldly security. It's a quick fix. Rather than waiting for God to come through as he always had, they want immediate relief. When you settle for a quick fix, rather than waiting on God, you may end up with an inferior or second-rate solution. When you settle for a quick fix, rather than waiting on God, you may be settling for an inferior and second-rate solution. 
Israel will get their king, but it is not God's best for them. If I could exhort you and encourage you this morning, I would say do not settle for a quick fix of your own. I remember when I was in my last church in Santa Monica, and it was really hard. I just want to tell you this. It was really hard. The pressure was on. It was just a disaster. Uh, And around year two, I I had had enough of the pressure, and I went in search of another job. My wife and I flew to a couple of states to interview for jobs, and and I I knew when I interviewed for those jobs that they they would be terrible. They would be a bad fit. And they, were, they would be second-rate solutions. But when the pain is so great in one area of your life, you, you, you sometimes you'll just take anything, right? You just want to get out of where you're at. You'll take any solution that looks even remotely like it's going to help, right? I was looking for an inferior and second-rate solution to my, my pressure. And I praise God that he protected me from me. He kept me at that church for several more years before moving me to the promised land of EBF. <laughs> You've got to be careful in searching for a quick fix. You've got to be careful. It's probably going to be an inferior. It's probably going to be a second-rate solution when you try to get out of the pain so fast. When you just need to wait, wait on the Lord, wait on his timing. Well, God tells him, he tells him, okay, you want a king? Let me show you what's going to happen if you get a king. And as we look at verses 10 through 18, I'm going to read them straight through. But before we read, there is, there is a very fascinating play going on here. One scholar has noted, I want to make sure you get this. God keeps mentioning the way that the king will take from them and the way that they will serve the king. From 10 through 18, he's going to keep saying, the king's going to take from you, the king's going to take from you, the king's going to take from you, and you're going to serve him, you're going to serve him, you're going to serve him. He's like, let me tell you the consequences before they even happen. All right? Watch Watch it. Verse 10. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take, go ahead and circle it, he will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He will Take your male servants and female servants and the best of your men, young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. The king will just take and take and take and Israel will just serve and serve and serve. Really good description of sin, right? What does sin do? It just keeps taking and taking and taking, and we end up serving and serving and serving. Jesus said in John eight thirty four, 
Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. I'm done with you, king. I'm done with you, God. I'm I'm done. I'm going to go find another solution. Okay. Now sin is over you. It's just going to take and take and take while you serve and serve and serve. Why would you throw off the gracious rule of God our king for a ruthless master? Jesus is not a king who takes while you serve, but a king who gives and serves you. Did you catch that? Jesus is not a king who takes while you serve, but a king who gives and serves you. Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to give. He came specifically to serve you with his perfect life and death and resurrection. He's he's holding out eternal life to you. He came to serve you. God came down to reconcile you back to himself through faith. He is not a king who's here to take and take and take. He's here to serve and serve and serve. And he continually serves us. So why would we throw off the gracious rule of King Jesus and try to find some other security plan? Why would we do that? If we've done that, you know that ruthless master of sin keeps taking from you. And you're in bondage to serve it. But you can break free today and go back under the gracious rule of the king who's here to serve, serve, and serve. Unfortunately, God granted them their request. I figured that would scare me off. If they told me all the things that the king would do to me, I would say, okay, I don't want the king then. But they're like, no, no, we'll take the king still. We'll stay. We'll, yeah, we'll, get, we'll take the king. It's like I could tell you all day long, if you turn to that sin, it's going to do this to you and this to you and this to you. And you'll be like, it's okay, I'll take it. It's still going to be better than the pain I'm feeling right now. N- no, no. Unfortunately, God granted them the request. Look at verse 19. But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And when Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. Samuel then said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. The people are locked in on the solution and they block out all the consequences. You ever get like that? You're so locked into your solution and you block out all the consequences. And God grants them the request by telling Samuel, obey their voice and make them a king. To me, those are some scary words. Go ahead and obey their voice and make them a king. They keep pushing and pushing and pushing. 
that they want their way. And God's like, okay, if you don't want to obey my voice, let's go ahead and obey your voice for a while and see how that goes. Why would God do that? I think it's for discipline. I think it's to humble them. I think it's to break them, to show them that they can come back to look for him as the only gracious king. It's very tragic and should be scary for you. There may be times where you keep pressing and pressing and pressing for some other security besides God. You keep pressing for a second-rate solution. You keep pressing for something that's inferior to the Lord. And, and maybe God will say, okay, go ahead. That should scare you that God may say, okay, go ahead. You don't want me right now. Let's go try your thing for a while. Let's go try your solution. Let's see how that goes. Why would he do that? Discipline. And as a loving father, you know, you know okay, go try that for a while. I keep telling you, I can tell my kids, don't eat dirt. Okay, go ahead, eat dirt. Go ahead. Yeah, how's that taste? You like that? Yeah, have some more. Let's create some mud. Eat some of that. Disciplining us. Okay, go to your inferior second rate. So let's, let's see how that goes. Be careful. You can be so locked in to do what you want to do. So locked in, God may say, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. When times are hard, I know you want to run. When times are tough, you might want to bail figure out something else. You might want to manipulate something. You might want to go off to fantasy land. But when you do that, watch out. God wants to rule you in your pain. God wants to be in charge when you are suffering. God continue to want to be your king. Who will be your king? It's either going to be the gracious Lord Jesus Christ or someone else. Will you choose Jesus Are you going to go somewhere else? Who will be your king? I want to end by giving you this picture. Because I know what some of you may be thinking. Don't install God as king and still run things like a constitutional monarchy. You see, a constitutional monarchy has the king reigning but not ruling. You know, other people are taking care of all the ruling. Maybe there's a governments that are set up around the world where the king simply signs off on the decisions as ceremony or as symbolic formality. So the people in charge, the, the, all the politicians, they're the ones that are truly making the rules of the land. And just because they have, they've had the king in the past, but now he's just more of a symbolic figure. And so they humor him and they give him the bills. And like, just, just initial the corner. We, we've written it out. Just initial the corner. You really have no authority, all right? But you're still king, whatever. Just initial the corner. And I think that some of us may have the ideas, okay, God, you're king, you're king, but I have this plan. I have it all worked out, and I'm, I'm, God, would you mind initialing the corner? Put your initials, I don't know what they are, JC, I don't know. Put them right there in the corner, and I'm going to do what I want to do because I have the plan, you initial it. God demands 
to be an absolute monarch. He is not here to sign off on your decisions. He's here to rule and reign over your life as a gracious and kind and loving king who has what is best for you. And I know when things get hard, you just don't want to believe that and you want to go look for other quick fixes and yet he's a loving king. Quit asking him to sign off on your second-rate solutions. Quit asking him to sign off on your quick fixes. Stay under the suffering, the pain, and the hardship. Stay there and simply say, Gracious King, either you're going to come through or I'm going to die. You've got to protect me. You've got to come through. But I'm staking everything on you because you've come through before. I want you to come through again. And that's where he wants us. That's where he wants us every day, throwing our whole lives upon him as our gracious king. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who are being ruled by a ruthless master. Some of them may have already made some decisions where they are reaping the consequences of an inferior or second-rate solution. Show them your grace. Show them your forgiveness. And if there is a way that is a solution to coming back under, uh, coming back from that, show them. If not, then maybe they just have to reap the consequences as they go to you for restoration. Or comfort the women in here who are in pain. May they not look for quick fixes. Be the God here to the men who are suffering. May they not look for second-rate solutions. And may all of us bow to you, look to you as our gracious King who loves us. May we not follow in the paths of many generations of Israelites and many generations of Foolish Christians, too, who've decided to throw off your reign and rule. May we not even do it temporarily. May you spare us from us, save us from us. And may we walk in your ways today as you are our gracious king. And may we stay under your rule. In Jesus' name, amen.